Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So the, the title of the talk today is The Four R's of Wise Effort. And I have taken uh, this topic um, from uh, the teacher Rodney Smith. I don't know if any of you are aware of Rodney Smith. He's now retired. He was the guiding teacher in the Seattle Insight um, Meditation Group. And he wrote a book a number of years ago called um, Stepping Out of Self-Deception. And it's a book on no self. Um, and in this book, he goes through um, wise effort from his point of view, which is a little different and very interesting uh, perspective on the Eightfold Path that I found very helpful and I wanted to share with you. And it's the four R's of wise effort. And he, um, these are the ones he's, he's highlighting is relax, release, relinquish and rejoin. So I'll go through that. It was, I found it helpful in my practice. So the eightfold path in Buddhism, uh, the Buddha, taught the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And just to review what the Eightfold Path is, uh, it's, you could say right view or wise view. I like to say wise instead of right. Uh, wise view, wise intention, wise speech, action, livelihood, effort, um, which is what we're talking about today mindfulness and concentration. And we've gone over this and talked about it over the years. Um, and many of you have taken classes and studied, I'm, I'm gonna say hi to Lars family here. Um, so here is a quote that I want you to think about and hold on to. And maybe somebody might even wanna write it into the chat because we'll come back to it. Uh, never trust your fears. They don't know your strength. And um, this quote fits in well with the point that Rodney Smith is trying to make about what happens when we try to effort in wise effort in our practice. So a question that I have for you today, and you can write this in the chat, as well is um, are you uh, feeling that the effort you put into your meditation practice and your mindfulness practice is sufficient? Are you feeling it's sufficient? And if it isn't, what would you like to see in terms of effort? What would you like to see you, you doing more of, or where would you like to put energy and effort? And maybe if you can either unmute and share that or put that in the chat. And thank you, Sue, never trust your fears. They don't know your strength. That's a theme that we will come back to. Um, so. 
So uh, either unmute or see if you can put that in. How are you feeling about the effort in your practice? Okay, so we have need to increase the frequency of meditation. I would like that too, Sandy. <laughs> uh, um, good in the mornings, evenings, ugh, right? Like a little bit more. Anybody else have one? I see a hand. Yes, Lars, it, who, who is raising their hand there? I don't think... Effort is sufficient. I think the confidence I bring to meditation sets the stage and is actually more important, right? I need to put more effort in, but don't want it to be a task on my to-do list. Yeah, you see, you're already getting the theme here of what happens when we try to effort. Uh, let's see, agree about not making it a task. I would like to be more consistent. I would like um, more practice throughout the day. Uh, one of the points he's really driving home is sometimes in the meditation and in life, um, when we want to make an effort or we want to work harder or we want a better outcome, we tend to um, effort with like a tight fist with pushing and tightness and you know, this bulldozing thing. I'm going to force myself to uh, sit more. I'm going to force myself to practice more. There's a tightness to it that works against us, that actually works against the progress, the so-called progress that we are trying to make. And what he's trying to point out is, can we um, cultivate effort, wise effort that is like an open hand, not tight, but open and relaxed. Uh, that has some ease to it, that brings more ease into it. And that's what he is teaching and writing about. And um, a lot about no self too, which I may not be able to articulate well uh, today in this talk, because it's, it's long. Um, yeah, being more present, like eating. So one of the things he says is the optimum, optimum environment for awakening is where we are. Nothing is needed. Um, nothing, everything we have right now is sufficient. And we need to relax into that knowing that to awaken and to practice, we have it all. It's all here. Um, and um, the intention and wise intention steers our energy and establishes our energetic focus. So we set the intention and then we begin. Um, but can we begin with the relax part of this? When, when we're trying to make an effort, relax is a big part of setting that intention. If we go after that attention, um, pushing and shoving ourselves, it backfires. And uh, I'm trying to look at for some of the quotes that were very beautiful about setting the intention is also setting the intention for ease and calm. Uh, 
for um, a settling in and a stillness in life. And so he's really trying to move us in this direction. And I'm going to read a paragraph from his book. Uh, the way of spiritual practice evolves over time is analogous to being in a room full of mirrors. As we approach the mirrors, we see our uh, pox marks, our scars and warts reflected. We see our selfishness and vanity and how many of our altruistic actions concern our self-image. We want nothing more than to run and hide from what we see, but where do we hide when everywhere we turn is another mirror? At this point, it is already too late to leave the room. So the alternative is to work harder to overcome the obstacles we see in the mirror. We set off on a path uh, with the intention to change, to change ourselves to fit the ideal image. Um, at this stage, spiritual transformation is focused on becoming a different person by getting over our limitations. We keep looking into the mirror to see how we are doing and it keeps reflecting back the person we do not wanna be. We do not seem to be getting anywhere. And after some time, we grow weary of the expression of effort. Over time, character modifications do occur, but inside we still feel basically unaltered. Something in us still hurts and we seem to be increasing the tension within ourselves by muscling our way through. So you see the theme here that very often when we go into meditation and mindfulness practice, we get an idealized image of what should be happening. And we don't measure up to it. We don't measure up. I remember um, when we did the five-day retreat in Big Bear. And, you know, five days, it takes two or three days just to settle into a flow of meditation. It doesn't come easy. It, it takes days to unpack um, and get there. And people were coming up to us to saying multiple people, and I, I don't blame them, but they were coming up and they were saying, um, and some of them new to a meditation retreat first time, I just want to sit still like I've read um, in my Hasi Saadao or one of those and not move and experience the stress in my body or any pain in my body and just see it and not move. And I thought to myself, you know, why are we going for like these different, these, why are we striving for these perfect meditations right off the bat? Like it seemed like torture to me. You might wanna do that after you've established some concentration and you're comfortable with your environment and you're in a flow. That might be a time to challenge yourself a little, but just at the beginning of a retreat to expect yourself to sit perfectly still and observe and not move um, seemed to me like a prescription for feeling the failure. So, um, so this dilemma of how do we make this wise effort that has relaxation and ease in it, that really has a letting go. And I'll read you, the first one is relax, as I've been saying, 
um, which really is a directive when we're trying to sit on the cushion or practice mindfulness in every day, it's a release of tension, of mental and physical tension. There's a, a softening down and a letting go of the tension. Um, and so we're trying, or we're not even trying, we're just turning towards a relaxation with alert observation. Relaxation with alert observation, but a kind observation. And we're moving towards ease and tensionless living. The ungoaling of a goal, the non-goal of the goal. So the opposite of relaxation is tension. And tension arises from resisting. Um, and when we're resisting, and this is the Buddha's teaching, um, internally and externally, we're creating stress and tension. So allowing things to be as they are and relaxing with them. Um, and he has a line, um, I don't know if it's his, but I love this line, wherever there is clinging, Mara will track us down. And Mara is delusion, you know, Mara will track us down. But if you look at Joel's picture on the screen, I'm gonna be silly for a moment with um, an example of relax. You can see our little dog laying back on his, uh, can you see it? He actually, um, we guide, I guide a lot of meditation and we sit in silence on Zoom quite a bit all week long. And um, this is how he, when whether the meditation is guided or silence, this is what he looks like. He totally goes for relax. And I think he's my relaxation teacher in meditation. Every day uh, we're on at 7 a.m. for 30 minutes to meditate and uh, write goals. Um, so I want to point that out because we're sitting in silence for 30 minutes. And this relax idea, the softening is so helpful when you're trying to sit uh, and sitting all day in retreat or sitting all in an all day. Because what, what begins to happen is thoughts, some days thoughts are more obsessive, there's more rumination, there are unwanted thoughts like anger or frustration, um, tension, fear, you know, some days the, the mind is just going to be where it is. The mind is going to do what it does. But if we can relax into awareness and just staying in the body and softening and just being with things as they are, uh, sometimes these thoughts just gently stop. They just fold away. They, 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 they cease. And if they don't, we begin to have a wise relationship with what's happening in the mind. Um, there's a peace and a stillness and awareness holding this and feeling a spacious quality being in the moment, even though um, I am not the perfect meditator this morning. And to sit and to be able to practice with not being the perfect meditator is a great freedom. 
to just allow it to be where it is. I am so not the Buddha this morning, right? And I can relax and just be with it as it is, being fully open and in awareness, just allowing it to be where it is, not push, pushing or having an agenda for the meditation. And then if I wanna make a little effort to concentrate, um, I can't. So relax is a beautiful uh, directive for wise effort. And the next one is release. Um, release, for those of you who have been and are still in 12-step programs, um, there's that step where they tell you to let it go, turn it over, turn it over to a higher power. Whatever your higher power is, it's great. Your higher power could be a fire hydrant. Just let go. And this is what Rodney Smith, this teacher, is pointing to, is that to become our mindfulness needs to become aware of when we are setting an agenda for life, wanting it to be our way, wanting it to be our way, wanting it to go our way. And there we set up this resistance and this tension. Um, and life keeps frustrating our attempts to play God. Um, we just can't make this safe and predictable world as much as we try. We just can't do it. You know, mosquitoes still get through the screen door um, and uh, bills come in bigger than we want uh, and health problems happen, you know, and it goes on and on and on here in California. For those of you who aren't here, the air is smoky more than I want it to be. Um, but we release that need to have it go our way. We relax and release that need for things going our way. Um, an example he gives, which you've all had, is um, one of his students driving her uh, three kids to school in the car in the morning and there's traffic and they're fighting in the back seat. For those of you who have had that experience, you know exactly what that's like and you've had similar. Um, and she was resisting the kids fighting, the sound, the traffic. Um, I just don't wanna be here. And, and he gives this example of when she could say, this is life, life is in this car here right now. And I'm sitting here and there's noise and there's traffic and I'm with it as it is. Uh, that release precipitated the mindfulness. That's that mindful moment. That's that awareness of allowing things to be as they are and working on not resisting as best as we can dropping into the present as it is. So his directive of release is uh, giving up the control of what's happening. Doesn't mean we don't do, we don't take care of things that need to be taken care of, but we give up that grip. You know, that grip is releasing the grip. It is how it is. So um, relinquish is the next one. And it gets, it, his, each step gets a little more subtle. You know, it gets a little more subtle. So relinquish 
he's talking about really being able to watch the mind and know the mind is until we can see our conditioning, our patterns, our defenses, you know, our false beliefs, our biases and prejudices, it's hard to practice. So the relinquish is we're giving up some of the things that we have our habits and we're conditioned to do. Some of us simply overthink. We overthink. We like to think and we do a lot of it. Some of us are compulsive problem solvers. Anybody identify with that one? Yeah. A compulsive problem. We're always solving a problem. And we don't even solve problems that are ours. You know, uh, it, just any problem. Let me solve it. Um, but sometimes we're intellectualizing. You know, we're suppressing feeling. And uh, a lot of times we're caught in the senses where it doesn't benefit us. And on the practice, a lot of times naturally you see yourself simplifying your life, buying less, having less, doing less, uh, not watching um, the loud uh, action movie or whatever movie on the big screen, like having less media, turning off media, like relaxing from the sense of pleasure not because you have to, but because it feels there's something uh, releasing about relinquishing the sense pleasure or relinquishing just the habit. It just feels right um, to do. And um, just trying to give you an example of that relinquish uh, that came to mind and I, I can't remember it now. Um, it, maybe it will come back to me. But, you know, it's that just letting go of that little habit-driven thing that you do. And you're letting go because it feels right. Because it anchors you in the body and creates a little more stillness. You know, right there. Um, and one of, I guess one of the things I could say about relinquish was with the pandemic, um, going shopping a lot less, going to stores and shops and being busy being out. That's a relinquishment. For many of us, it felt good. It felt really good to be less busy, to be less doing. So anytime you can relinquish, you can drop. And a lot of it is internal in the mind, uh, that overthinking pattern. What's your overthinking pattern? You know, and when I sat with Rodney a couple of weeks ago, he kept saying, get more simple. Get more simple in the five days. Simplify it. Think less, like get the thoughts down. You know, really. He wasn't really um, emphasizing deep concentration in his retreat. It was really gentle awareness and paring down, paring down this sense of self. 
The last one is rejoin. And um, when you have noticed that you're letting go, you're relinquishing something, right? It could be something very small. We come back and rejoin, anchoring in the body and anchoring back into presence. And the ways that we can rejoin are simply through uh, loving kindness and compassion, allowing our heart to take over our life, you know, getting out of the head and the overthinking, coming into the body, coming into presence, and um, coming into um, awareness in the moment. And so we rejoin again through the heart, through compassion and through presence. An example of that was um, last night. Our community has had a number of um, concerts in the park and it's been very nice during the COVID time to see this little park fill up with so many people and they have food trucks and activities for the kids and there's always a band. And all summer long, I have complained about the band. The band has been irksome, you know, a thorn in my side. Mostly it's the cover bands from the eight, cover songs from the 80s and the 90s and maybe 70s. And they're just, if I hear that song again, you know, it's just, please do not play that song again. Okay, it, it, and the song gets played again. And I don't understand, but okay. So I have to do relax, reling, relinquish and rejoin a lot. But last night um, they had a different band. So I'm gonna say their name because I was so appreciative. The Greg Young Band, Second Street Band. I think they're a Long Beach band. But I, I was so appreciative that they didn't play those cover songs. Uh, and they actually were good musicians. Like they really were musicians playing their instruments like really well. And um, so this rejoin, this concept of rejoin, you know, it's interesting how when you're watching the mind and you're watching, just noticing that sense of self come up, that sense of me, and how that sense of me seems to create tension and tightness in the body. When there's a me, there's also a me forming boundaries by tension. I don't know if you've noticed that. So there were a couple of times in that day uh, where the me, you know, my ideas would really come up and I could feel that boundary around me and that sense, you know, and so this is what I want to point out about the rejoin that he's talking about. And the first time um, he, I felt this was when I noticed that the band actually were really good musicians that loved to play their instrument and they were really jamming, you know, there. And my mind said, because I know it all, and if you're in that know-it-all club, you can not raise your hand right now, but you know, my mind said, um, well, the people who are picnicking around them are not 
giving them enough attention and appreciating them. They're talking too much and they're running around or they're leaving or they're not, you know. And uh, so I could feel that opinion, you know, the, um, the opinion formed there. Uh, tighten up. So there's the self separate of the experience because I'm busy having an opinion of the experience. And then I become a me and everybody around me becomes a them. And I'm not in that moment, really being with the moment. So that was an easy one to rejoin, you know, to just drop that, relinquish the opinion of how people should behave around me, right? How pe where people should be and the way they should be at a concert, you know? Um, and the rejoin is to just be with it as it is, you know, just be with things as they are, an easy one, right? And we can do that. But it's an, an example of what that process is. Just that easy, just that simple. Um, but later on, when um, the group that I was with left early and I came back because I was so enjoying uh, these musicians and appreciative of their love of their art. And I was sitting by myself. Well, I had the dog. And... Uh, there were neighbors coming and going in groups and this thought occurred to me, right? This sense, again, that sense of self rose up. Well, I'm the only one alone, right? Here in the park, I'm the only one alone. Wouldn't feel the sense of that. This is the things we do. This is the house of mirrors that he talks about. It's easy to form a self, a sense of self that has social anxiety, that feels inadequate. Well, what are people thinking? You know, I'm dancing by myself here. You know, are they noticing? You know, right? I'm all alone. Uh, how these thoughts of I in an inadequate, um, in a uh, anxious way, you know, that's looking for okay, you know, the house of mirrors that come up where we, we're just magnifying anything that could possibly be wrong. And I could feel that. And in the next moment, the, um, that all those elements, the release, the rejoin, it was like in the next moment, there was um, the grass of the park, the night sky, wonderful people being able to come out safely in a pandemic, there was enough space and musicians really enjoying Playing. You could sense that, how much they were enjoying their art. Um, and that rejoin into the present moment of just being was so full and delicious, beautiful and delightful. Um, and that's where you really know the benefit of a practice because what it also struck me was that thought, well, you know, you're alone uh, and what do neighbors think or what do people say? Or are, you know, is this uncomfortable to just being and to know what the difference is between loneliness and aloneness because aloneness with mindfulness is full. It's rich, it's full. There's not much desire, it's open, it's present, 
they're filled with gratitude, you know? And um, when we can rejoin in this way, uh, we can experience just the beauty, the depth, and the gratitude of life, of, of life itself. Uh, and there's no effort in it. There's no making it happen. There's no effort. So I really um, felt that um, his chapter here on effort was so helpful in um, approaching life with more ease. Even when we want to make a change, we don't have to be a self-improvement project. You know, we don't have to be a self-improvement project. Um, and that we can touch love and deep contentment, you know, with our beingness, with our being willing to just be present and notice and be with what's arising. We don't have to resist it. Um, and in this way, um, we can let go of the unworthiness and self-doubt that keeps creeping up into the practice, keeps creeping up. One more example that I wanna throw in before we stop and maybe do breakout rooms or just talk. And um, contemplating his instructions this week, there was another example that I wanted to throw in as I think this is important for all of us in our practice. I think it was like last week sometime, uh, I was talking to someone, family member, and they were describing uh, something just wonderful and joyful in their lives, something celebratory. And they were filled with joy, this person, filled with happiness, filled with joy. And um, we left, said goodbye, and I had a really nice time. It's great in the pandemic. It's wonderful to see people, right? It's just always wonderful for me. And um, but then there was this tight feeling in my body. It's the tightness in my belly, tightness in my chest, tension, and there was there was inquiry, a pause and inquiry. What's this tension about? Why is it here? Thought I had a good time. Why is there tension? And it took a while to unpack. But what happened was um, when that person was talking about something incredibly joyful, there were thoughts in me of jealousy. I want to be that joyful. I want that good thing. I want to celebrate like that. I want that to happen to me. Um, and this is how subtle and how quickly the mind moves. And so I want to point that out that what the resist, what the tension in my body was, was not the jealousy. It was the resistance that I was unconsciously feeling to being jealous. Like you're not supposed to be jealous. You're a Dharma student. 
you're a serious Buddhist. We have mudita. We feel joy when other people feel joy, not jealousy. No, no, you're past that. No, you are not allowed to feel jealous of your relatives, you know? And so the, the tightness was the resistance to a normal human emotion. We're allowed to feel jealous when we feel jealous, right? We're, we're allowed to feel anger when we're angry. We're acting out and, and, and not being skillful is another story, but we're allowed to feel what we feel. That doesn't mean we have to behave unskillfully. We don't have to act it out, but we could certainly allow ourselves to feel. And once I could say, you know, you're allowed to be jealous of that person. They had extremely good fortune and it's normal to feel that pang of envy then the tensions subside. So you see resistance to what's arising, you know, is kind of that obstacle to ease. You, know, you can just say, oh, you know, it's a normal emotion. Uh, so awareness and investigation and inquiry into what is happening in the mental field is really a help for practice. So at this point, would you like to do some breakout rooms or just share or ask questions or comment? What would you like to do? Anybody have a preference? Can you review the four R's? Again, yes, very happily. And maybe somebody wants to put them in chat too. Um, usually Don will do that. Relax is the first one. Release. Second, relinquish and rejoin. And I hope you take them with you this week because they are really helpful um, reminders. Another R, reminder. Yeah, they're helpful reminders of how we can um, move with the effort. Yeah. So what do you think? Where are we going into the breakout rooms or does anybody want to share together as a group? I would play a CD of the Greg Young Second Street Band for you, but I don't know how we play CDs anymore. <laughs> it's like every time you get a um, your music stuff and you get piles of it and piles of it, they keep changing the technology. Maybe we're all too relaxed to reply. Yeah. yeah. So that would work great for me. Uh, would anybody like to share in the group? Thanks, Wendy. I was just wondering if you could just like uh, retouch on the release and relinquish again, the difference. Yeah, good one. Yeah, release, he's referring to when we want things our way. Um, and we're fighting against it internally and externally. So um, 
release means is more the directive of when you want something that isn't happening. Like I, for one, and you, you'll see where I'm going. The last time I went to my Ralph store over here, I was not happy that there were people that didn't have masks on, right? And in my world right now with um, the variant going on, I would prefer that everyone had a mask on in a public place. That's not happening in my neighborhood. And it may not be happening in yours, wherever you are. Um, so that release means I'm not caught in the story of what I want. I might be right, I might be wrong. Whether I'm right or wrong is not gonna change the outcome of what's happening in that Ralph's grocery store. Um, so we release wanting life to be the way it is. Now that doesn't mean that we don't, we're not socially active or we're not helping or doing something that we feel is right in the world. Like maybe I'm letting go of wanting them all to have the mask, but maybe I'm um, contributing um, to an editorial or I'm writing my board, county board of supervisors asking them for a mask mandate. It's not like I'm not doing something, but I'm releasing the grip of self in it. Because what happens is you can just hold on and get tight and be frustrated and angry and not be in the present moment, but with your dialogue about what you think is should be going on, right? But you can be at ease and still take action. I'd be at ease and say, I'm going to a different store that has a mask mandate, right? It's a difference. I could walk like this around this issue or I could be like this. I'm not changing it by being like this. So that is the release that he's talking about. It's hard, right? It's hard. The, the um, relinquish is really um, more in the Buddhist teaching about um, trying to think what the other word they use for it. It's um, the relinquish is um, more like when you give up something, you abandon it because it's good for you and good for your practice. It feels right to abandon it. Um, and the relinquish might be um, two glasses of wine at dinner, right? Because it didn't feel so good. You're a little cloudy. Um, maybe it's a habit formation. Um, so you're going to let it go. You're going to give it up um, because it's, it's the, you're moving towards a more wholesome way of being. So you're relinquishing what doesn't work for you. Another example of that is um, walking the dog. I like to make it a mindful walk. Like I'd like to be present in my body and in awareness and sensing, right? And just practicing because there's a lot of dog walking going on. So I try to make it more of a mindful walk or Zen walk. And it's very pleasant that way to just be with the body or the breath or the sense is just looking and not chattering away. And if I'm going to do that, I have to relinquish giving up um, problem solving when I see a garden that needs help or water that's being wasted, 
you know, or a tree that needs trimming. I have to give up my mental fabrications of what I would do in that yard or that garden, you know, how I would fix that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Thank you. What about rejoin? I mean, can you go back over that? I mean, just because what are we rejoining? Well, his idea, and, and I may not be really articulate on his point of view in the book, but the rejoin is um, when you catch yourself lost in overthinking or lost in problem solving, none of this is bad, or um, lost in um, just getting carried away by some kind of desire thing, right? And you know, you, you know when that is, it's an invitation to come back into this present moment. It's an invitation to come back with metta, with loving kindness for yourself or compassion or, um, or just sensing the body and being, or sensing awareness, aware of awareness. This, it's really another way to say, come back, come back and so let go of the doubt. Yeah. It feels like kind of just unpacking the, you know, awareness or observation into different things. And then, um, you know, normally, I guess when we talk about, or, you know, observe or whatever, it's just, you know, we're just observing, but he's kind of broken it down, observing into different parts of observation. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you know, um, the other point he's making is when we notice we're caught in something, uh, compulsive thinking, high anxiety, very often um, it's very normal for me to get caught in this to-do list and get all hyped up and start mm -hmm. controlling, trying to control it and push mm -hmm. myself to do it. So when you notice it, sometimes there's a critic coming in or he'll call it a doubter that says oh really you're practicing you know you're practicing mindfulness really <laughs> you're a failure you didn't get it right you know and look at you you're so anxious or you know your thoughts are so compulsive you know there's a doubt comes in in your ability to practice and very often this um when he's talking about rejoin he's also talking about let go of the doubt that you're not capable that you don't have the capacity to practice in a deep way, you do. So the doubt you can drop when you rejoin. Thanks, Lydia. Anyone else? You know, this this week was 9-11 and the 20th anniversary. There's been a lot on the news and a lot everywhere. And I watched this special that was on MSNBC about the individual boxes where people told their stories. I don't know if any of the rest of you happened to see this or not. But it was quite amazing. Uh, so they had the, these people just went, came in and within about a year after this and told their stories. And uh, then 20 years later, they tracked down many of these same people who again told their stories. I was really struck 
by people who had been through so much. There was sort of the doubting and the negative and how they had been affected. And then there were those who probably were transformed, who really expressed such beauty and such love and uh, how they had made trans, talk about rejoining, how they had found what was really true. And in my own life, I was thinking, oh, I'm a failure at this meditation stuff. I don't do it well. And then I thought, you know, there's so much beauty in here and I have lots of judgment and lots of opinions and that really is neither here nor there. And it's all just sort of ego. And to come to it with, you know, that's just um, so much armor. And, and then just the free feeling of letting go and that these people who had been through so much could find a reason for living, could find beauty in life. Um, it seems so simple and so obvious and how little I, you know, <laughs> that was probably far more worth more than of my time than trying harder. Yeah, you know, uh, keep knowing change and begin again, you know, uh, but we don't have to keep evaluating where we are. And um, that's a good example. Anybody else? Hey, Wendy, I was just going to quickly add if you have any thoughts or another R, which is renunciation. And that probably has an umbrella of uh, all the other fours in different levels, right? Yeah, that was, thank you, Ali. That was the word I was trying to find for le relinquish is re renunciation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, would you not say that that kind of like is an umbrella for the other three also? I mean, uh, renouncing uh, of the, uh, of not holding things tightly. So therefore we renounce being tight and relax and, also, the release and relinquish and rejoin. I don't know. Anyway, another R came to me. <laughs> Rough. Well, I knew if I commented on his meditation capacity, that would happen. Usually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're all linked. Yeah, that's what you get for bragging about your dog. Uh, anyone else? Thank you, Ali. Thank you. Anyone else? Um, Shannon? I'm just thinking about the idea of um, refuge, that when we look at meditation as like a refuge, you know, um, I mean, I hate to use the word self-care because it's become this whole other thing, but... <laughs> But at the same time, it, it makes sense and it works for me if I look at it that way. It's like, I, it's like something that I, I do to truly love myself um, and care for myself as opposed to like, you must, you know, if I look at it like, so for example, I'm trying to make a lifestyle change with my diet and like realizing that there's certain foods that I'm using for like, um, as a false refuge. And so uh, replacing that idea with like, what actually is truly nourishing for, for me. 
um, I, I find that, that that feels helpful. Like when I came to sit today, it felt really good, you know, and, and that's, that's motivating for me if it feels good, so. Thank you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, taking refuge and seeing these practices of refuge, but allowing them to be a refuge and not a self-improvement project. Yeah. And I will be teaching a class on true refuge. I have to get that in for Inside LA in October for any of you that are interested. It's a beautiful um, book by Tara Brock called True Refuge that I've taught several times and uh, really melt into that book. So I, I'm doing it again, as Shannon said, because I love it, because of joy. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to mention is um, we read in our class a book on emptiness by Guy Armstrong, and several people wanted to reread the book um, as a book club. And so if you're interested, that's something to let me know. We can do that. If there are enough people, we can begin to go through the book again, um, which just was so rich and deep. So if people are interested, um, that's something to uh, let me know. And we'll set that up. So, um, Last comment, anyone want to add something? Thank you for all the sharing. It's been great. The room for one more. I just want to add, I really like that idea of a book club. I think we've talked about it before, maybe we've done it on one or two things, but I think it'd be a great way to study together. So I think it'd be great. And that book's a good place to start. Great. Thanks, Sue. And I'll uh, add another one with the R. Uh, as a request, is <laughs> like I know you were, uh, were teaching on the uh, inner critic. I think that's a good subject to sometimes, you know, for us to uh, think because I have a hard, you know, a, 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 a big, a huge one. And I know you were teaching that for a while, Wendy. That was a good subject, still is for me. Yeah. That was an R for request from me. <laughs> <laughs> so many good R words today. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to do another R word, remind. Uh, we have sits at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays, and you're all welcome to um, attend. And uh, we had a gathering in the park, and Rick led uh, Qigong or Tai Chi or Combo, and I heard that was very good. Um, so, yeah. Keep your eyes out in the newsletter for another one. I think we're going to try to do it once a month, but it was so nice to see people in 3D and um, just connect. It was a beautiful setting and Rick did a great job. It was really nice. So I encourage you to, to join us and see each other again. Uh, can I make a request that you give yes. us lots of time? I have to uh, reschedule people. Thank you. Will do. Will do. And I think we need to alternate too. I'm wondering if we should alternate from a Wednesday at five to a Sunday afternoon or something for people who can't do a five, or do we keep it at Wednesday? We'll figure that out. 
Um, all right. So I would like to, anybody have anything else they want to say, comment, general? Yeah, the once a month, as Shannon was saying, can we come together once a month for the sit, make the sit? Um, wh what do we say that is a hybrid? Is that what, the, what they're saying? Calling it when you're on Zoom and you're in person? <laughs> Did I make that up or is that a word? I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, it's hard with the uh, variant to know what to do. Um, but um, if, if any of you feel like you want to um, come over, a few of you want to come here, I have a very big space and you could wear a mask and come and sit while I'm doing this. We could probably figure that out for a few of you. So just email me and come over, you know, and Casey and I will try to work on that. I think what we're trying to just see what's happening with this variant you know, and where we're going. Um, but there's an outside space in a big room here. So you're welcome to um, join me because uh, I know that that, um, you know, that is. So we're at the end and I would like to dedicate our practice together and the time together to all the victims of 9-11, their families, the first responders, everyone who gave service. Uh, so many have given service, th these courageous first responders, and we hold them in our hearts and dedicate our practice to the memory of that day and uh, the losses and the courage uh, and um, everything that came after in our healing. So, um, and the victims of the wars that came after. Thank you, Shannon. Absolutely. And recovering from that nightmare. Uh, yes, we hold everyone who lost their lives, not just in this country, but in all countries, thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, so, um, as we hold all of these precious beings in our heart and our mind. May all beings be safe from free and free of harm, inner harm and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in body and in mind. May all beings be safe, protected, cared for and loved. And may our planet heal. May we all be at peace. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.